Hello and welcome to Wine, Spirits, and, and Witches. witches. We're getting a little that. Look at that. This is Shauna, and we're your high priestess for this evening. I think we're finally starting to get the hang of synchronized Zoom intros and outros, maybe. Yeah, it's a little delayed, so I think that's what, there's a little bit of a delay. I think that's what's going on, so. I think yeah. you're right. I think you're So how right. are you doing today, huh? I'm okay. We're on day nine zillion of our COVID-19 quarantine, you know, um, and I have fallen victim to the amazing <laughs> whipped coffee that has become such a thing with people lately. Oh. And um, yeah, have you tried it yet? No, I'm not a big coffee drinker either. As you know, once in a while, I'll do a Starbucks or something, but I'm not big. I'm, I, I drink tea. Tea is my bag. No pun intended. <laughs> I mean, considering that you're a tea leaf reader, I would hope that you drink tea. I don't know. I think with all the tea that you drink, because you do a lot of like phone readings too, where you drink the tea for people. Do you get like so fucking sick of tea sometimes? Yeah. I mean, good thing I don't have to drink a full cup. So it's only a couple of sips, thank God. So it's not so bad. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, how, are you, how are you doing on day nine zillion? Of I'm hanging in there. I am trying to hang in there and, and isolate and just keep busy around the house, doing some crafts, doing some reading, watching some TV, some cleaning, some cooking, some baking. I'm keeping myself pretty busy. Yeah. You How go. about you? I'm doing good. Um, I think I'm slowly becoming more productive again. I went into this weird lazy hole um, where I think I spent most of my time singing weird show tunes to my dogs. So I think they're really happy that I'm finally starting to do something other than that now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You must have drove them crazy, Shauna. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for them because I just like, you know, I really can't sing and they have superior hearing. So I'm surprised they haven't bit me yet. <laughs> or they can howl along with you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, my pug's favorite band is the ice cream truck. Ah. So every time that the ice cream truck's outside, I let him go out and he just howls at the ice cream truck. I, oh I think God. it's the highlight of his day. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. So before we get into our our topic for tonight, we have an announcement. Do 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 fanfare. Yeah. Um we about a month or so ago, we created a Patreon page and we've kept it under wraps because, you know, we we're trying to get stuff together for it. Um, and you guys are just awesome little amateur sleuths and you guys found us out. And we actually have three people that have signed up for our Patreon before we even announced it because they wow. are some badass dragas in the making. Okay. And so you can go and check us out on Patreon and look us up under Wine Spirits and Witches, and you'll be able to find it. We have a couple different tiers. So it ranges from getting bonus audio clips and episode shout outs to monthly general readings, personal readings, book of shadows pages, like all sorts of really fun stuff that, that you can get from us. One thing is that we do have uh, stickers and buttons that are in the works, but unfortunately because of the quarantine and everything that has definitely slowed that part down. So we definitely are going to have to owe you guys that, but we can definitely start with some of our other exciting content for you guys. And the first part of that is giving a shout out to our awesome new Patreoners. We have John G, Onyx, and Miss Liz. So thank you guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate it so much. We are so excited to share even more nonsense with you guys than we already do. I'm pretty thrilled about it. Nonsense and knowledge. Don't forget. <laughs> 
nonsense and knowledge, witchy wonders, every which way. <laughs> That's right. So tonight we're talking about, I'm, I can't do your awesome drum roll, but I'm going to let you take it away, Mon. We're doing ritual construction tonight, all about how to construct a ritual. So this is going to help you. Go ahead, Shauna, tell them how it's going to help them. This is going to help you guys understand the basic layout. Tell of them how ritual. it's going to help them. So this is, this. yeah, so this is going to help you guys learn the basic layout of a ritual. And with this, what we're hoping that you can do is first off, hopefully start to create some of your own rituals, but also give you guys a little bit of foundation and background knowledge so that when it does come time that we're all allowed to leave our house again and you guys find public rituals in your area, you can go to them and not be nervous about feeling lost or not knowing what to expect. Right, right. So we're going to do it very eclectically. We're not going to choose any path in particular. I'm going to give a, we're going to give a general ritual construction um, class tonight, basically. Yeah. Yes. And I think the first thing to kind of understand with that is what is a ritual? What do you do with rituals? Well, a lot of times when we think about them, we think of, you know, people coming together um, to work magic, to do a spell. And can you do that with a ritual? Absolutely. But there's a lot of other things that you can do in a ritual setting, such as observe the holidays, honor the god and goddess. Um, I mean, there's even um, like healings and different things that you can right. do. People get together for full moons and new moons and, and different things like that. But even within all of that, while the purpose and the working that you're doing within the ritual will vary each time, uh, the setup and the construction of it will still be similar each time. Yes, I, right, exactly, right. And there are some groups that don't do magic at all. That's not even part of their ritual at all. It's all about the religion and honoring the goddess and God. Uh, they don't do any magic at all. And I've been to a few rituals like that. And then I've been to the rituals where people just flat out do the magic. It's not even about the goddess and God. So every different strokes for different folks. But um, we're going to touch on a general, like if you were going to just like a Wiccan or a general ritual, this is basically what it's probably going to be like. Yeah, and honestly, even with just this knowledge, even though when you get into more um, specialized traditions that, that do it certain ways, even with this knowledge, you guys will still be like, oh, I get it. I get what's happening right now, and I understand it. So right. it won't kind of catch you guys off guard. I think the first thing to kind of talk about as we dive into this is what is a circle? What function does it, does it serve for, and how do you make one? Okay, well, a circle, I mean, the reason why we cast a circle is to enclose ourselves in a sacred space so that we're protected from the outside entities and whatever can, the creepy crawlers that can come in. And you want to be in that sacred space um, and be, feel safe in that, in that circle. Um, and they say that, and it's true, uh, it's like once you cast your circle, you kind of lose uh, time. It's like time, time, what, what happens to time for that, what, however long you're in that circle, you're like in between, you're not in the physical, you're not, you're like kind of in between. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a real, and you can attest to that, right? You know that mm -hmm. after doing many rituals, you're not here or there, you're in between. So, yeah. so that's the purpose is to protect yourself and to, to and to, um, you know, from anything coming in and interfering or harming or whatever. Mm -hmm. any of the creepies okay yes and 
I do also want to say, um, once you set up a circle and we're going to get into how you can, how you can cast a circle and, and take it down. But, um, when, when you are in one, if you need to leave for whatever reason to go get more supplies or go to the bathroom, or you need to have someone come in or out of the circle, you need to cut them in is what we call it. Yes. You have to cut them out or cut them in. Uh, yeah, that's why before we go into any ritual or any circle, you have to make sure you, all your needs are taken care of, that you have all your supplies, that you've gone to the bathroom, uh, because it is a little distracting when you have to leave. But I mean, things happen. Some people, you know, it just happens. People are late. You got to cut them in. So things do happen, but try to do everything before you go in. So you're all got everything set and you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So when you cut someone in or out of the circle, a lot of times it's cool if, if you have a group of people that are in circle with you um, to designate one person that's kind of on, on top of that and that's their task for the evening so that they know if something needs to come in or out, they're the ones to do it. And you use your athame, athame. Athame, yes, okay. you do. Uh -huh. Athame, use your athame or your wand. Athame, athame. <laughs> And you literally draw a door in the air that the person can walk in and then you close it back and you, you draw it in the opposite direction. And that is what cutting a door or cutting someone in and out means. And you need to do that each time. Right. Yeah. Because you if you don't, you break the circle and right. it, it's, it's kind of like the idea of having that protective circle of salt. And then if you like mess it up and you create a line in it, then it, it's no longer functioning. Um, right. But I will say that animals don't break circles. No, no. So you don't have they to worry usually, about that if you have a yeah. cat or a dog that is, you know, wandering in and out. Like they're, not, you don't have to worry about trying to chase after them to cut cut them in and out each time. No, they have a free pass because they're spiritual beings anyway, right? <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So when we cast a circle, a lot of people, you know, in the movies and stuff, you see it with salt or with rings of candles and all of these things. And while I think it has a really lovely aesthetic, it is not something that's required when you make your circle. You can do a chant or a prayer, whether it's one that you found out of a book or it's been passed to you or you create one yourself that has that intention of bringing this circle around you and around your, your witchy friends that you're doing your, your ritual with. Yes. And before you go into circles, some people like to do a cleansing, like a spiritual cleansing with um, like water and earth or fire and air to cleanse themselves before coming in. And you could do that with incense or you could do it with water, salt water and uh, um, your finger if, if necessary, just to, just to cleanse. Some people take a ritual bath before. Mm -hmm. And also some people do a divination even before going into ritual to figure out what they should be working if there's going to be a magical working. So some people use divination before they enter. Uh, so the thought process is there, what they're exactly what they're going to focus on. Oh, I like so that. I've never seen that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's the, that's basically what the first thing is. If you're in a group, if you go to a group setting, there's usually someone at the threshold, which is usually in the North, uh, cleansing you by fire and air, water and earth. And, um, Sometimes there's a broom that you have to step over. Uh, that's like well, almost like the doorway to entrance. Some groups do use that. So then you come in and you gather yourself in a circle around, an around circle around the altar. Not a square circle, are you sure? Not a square circle at all. <laughs> and um, so there's many ways to cast a circle. Um, the way I like is to get everybody um participating is I use hand in hand 
the circle is cast and I hand them my left hand palm up and then they grab my hand with their palm down and they repeat it and it goes all the way around till everybody is holding hands in the circle. That's one way of doing it. Sometimes uh, the high priest or priestess will just cast the circle with her thami or wand and and that's uh and that there's certain words that you say to cast the circle and you can look that up because every every tradition is different and every wording is different sometimes it's just done by the high priest or high priestess Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes um i think most of the time when i've i've been to a ritual the high priest or the high priestess does it um unless you're in like a class such as like a wicca 101 or something like that it's really cool when you take those classes and then um the teacher helps you guys organize a ritual and stuff in which case someone will be uh, assigned to cast a circle and you can even just do something real simple where you say like I cast this circle you know around and about and I cast all negativity out or kind of do anything like that that's going to kind of set that tone if if you're a poet you can write something really beautiful that resonates with you and you can use it each time or or like Monica said you can look stuff up depending on if there's a certain tradition that you like like use use what speaks to you right Right. So you cast your circle, your circle is cast, you are in that protective spot. Um, And basically what happens next is the cleansing by water and earth and fire and air. So the high priest or priestess will charge the incense and um, someone will go around clockwise starting in the in the north three times cleansing by fire and air and repeat that's three times. And then the same thing is done with the water and earth. The high priest or priestess charges that. And again, person walks around three times cleansing by water and earth. And so when she's saying that, what you want to look at is the fact that when we're, for instance, working with incense or smudge sticks and things like that, we have the air elements present by, um, by the smoke. And we also have the fire elements present by the embers that's helping create the smoke. And the same thing when you have the salt water, you have salt, which is earth, and you have water, which is water. And so that's what kind of combines these elements. So that's where those cleansing aspects come from. And uh-huh. what if, what if you're in, if you're listening to wine spirits and witches and you hear this you're like holy shit this is rad i'm gonna make my own ritual no one's a high priest or priestess so do you think that it's still doable to oh yeah absolutely have them bless it oh yeah it's so it's you know some people are solitary and they have to work alone so you cast your circle but i forgot to mention that some people put uh candles in each quarter to represent the elements uh, if you're doing an elemental circle, and I just forgot about that. Before you go into the circle, you kind of light those el- those uh, colors. In the north, it would be green. In the east, it would be yellow. In the south, it would be red. And in the um, west, it would be blue. So you would uh, have a representation of the, of the quarters that you're calling in. And always walk, well, in most traditions, you want to walk uh, in a clockwise motion not in a counterclockwise motion yes and so a lot of things like for instance when you're going to start calling your quarters and doing things like that everything generally starts in the north your altar is going to face the north and that's where you're going to kind of start and center things and then you will work clockwise from there 
Mm -hmm. I've been to rituals where it's like the magic and things are stirred that way, whether it's by summoning things or whatever. But then there are other covens and other traditions where you can't even turn around or walk counterclockwise in ritual at all. It's a big no-no. Right. And and there are some traditions that you only work uh, with a shins, which is uh, counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. So... I yeah, think that's so. kind of rare, though. So I think for the most part, yes, and yes, I mean, I like, you, you might see it, but a lot of times, if you're going to go to like a public ritual or something like that from someone, and their tradition does have you working wittershins or counterclockwise, they're kind of going to tell you first, because I think most witches naturally are just going to assume that you're doing it the soil and you're doing it, you know, clockwise. Right. But it does exactly. happen sometimes. So it, it's something good to kind of take note of or ask if you're not sure. But generally, it will be it will be clockwise. Right. And then again, um, what was I just going to say? There are there are different traditions where what I told you about the elements, the north, south, east, and west, are totally different than what I just told you. But that is also rare. I feel like as a general rule and a majority, you know, north is green, you know, like I just said before. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that's where, and if you guys are listening to this and you're like, well, why is it green? We have an episode all about the elements that will explain a lot of that. So if you go back through um, our catalog, you'll find our episode on the elements, which will kind of explain that to you and you'll get a better, better generalized understanding of the elements and why they're important in in your ritual because they are right. something that you do want to call the power of the elements and the presence of the elementals and you know if you work with angels the angel that's there and everything else to have them them there and what that's called is calling the quarters or calling the directions right exactly so so then you the next step is to call in the quarters and that can be done like a you know think about what quarter you're calling in and you can look it up again online or you can kind of be poetic, like you said, and make it up. But um, basically, you're going to do an invoking pentagram for that corner quarter, whether it's um, north invoking, south invoking, east invoking, with your athami or your wand or your finger, if you don't or have any. Athame. Yeah. <laughs> and you just um, make this invoking pentagram and uh, you start in the north and you and you don't call it in quite yet. You go to the to the east. So that's actually the first quarter you will call in. You call in the east and then you go to the south, you go to the west and back to the north to call in the quarters. Mm -hmm. And the way that um, our coven sister explained that to me, because I noticed that and I was kind of confused at first because what will happen is whoever's calling north will draw the invoking pentagram and then not say anything and not actually call anything in and then pass it. And she says, because that's how you start a circle. If you, if you actually start by calling everything in the North and then going, you kind of draw like Pac-Man instead. It's like, it's not a fully closed circle is how mm. she explained it to me. So she's like, we're drawing a circle, not a Pac-Man. So that made mm -hmm. sense to me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I like that. Right. Right. So, so you got your, go ahead. When you're calling the elements and stuff like that, like you said, there's so many different ways to do it, but um, it is something that I, I think it's important. Do you think that, I don't think, because, you know, there's always so many different types of rituals, but I can't say, I think I've, I've never been to one where the quarters aren't called. Have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yes. Yeah, sometimes the quarters aren't called. Sometimes the circle isn't cast. Um, yeah, I've been to a a few of them like that but usually there there is a calling of the quarters for sure for sure yeah yeah 
because that that's part of the power that's going to help you that's part of like the universal energies and the natural en energies of everything that you're you're working with with your spell ingredients and things like that like where you're calling that to for the, for its assistance for it to be present there and to like help protect. you along and protect, and protect. you yes. yeah and bring yeah. you because they it all have their own their own blessings and to right. kind of help guide and shelter you so it is important i think to call the quarters and to have yeah. them present in our tradition we call in the watchtowers we call in the angels and the elementals as well so we're calling in a lot of help to help us and protect us in the circle for and sure. that's why stregas are big and fucking bad <laughs> <laughs> that's right. we got backup so now that you're in this space and you're protected, you cleanse the space. Oh, some people, again, I'm going backwards now. I keep on remembering little things. Sometimes um, you can use your ritual broom to clear the physical space in your circle that you're going to do. So, yeah, I mean, phys you physically take the broom and you walk clockwise like in a sweeping motion just to clean that area. If it's like in someone's backyard or someone's living room, you might want to do that too. Mm -hmm. just to just to cleanse that space especially if it's a place that you haven't really done ritual in before yes um, mm -hmm. a lot of times as you start to work with the coven or with a group of, of witchy folks that you start to kind of build that magical relationship with you guys are going to tend to have some form of a coven stead which is which is where the meetings and and the rituals and everything take place like a kind of a solid location or a few locations but the first time that you that you do it in your home or wherever you are especially if it's your very first ritual there and you're you're helping with it it's a really good idea to bust out your broom and to work that Right. So there's a good use of your broom at the same time as well. De definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, after you called in your quarters, the next thing you're going to do is going to call in the deities. You're going to call in the goddess and God, whoever you want to work with, make sure it is of the same uh, path. You don't want to call in an Egyptian goddess and a Celtic God. You want to keep it either Celtic or, or you can just simply say goddess and God, which is totally fine. And you have a representation on the altar of goddess and God, whether it's an image or we like to use candles uh, and go through the motions of calling and lighting and welcoming in um, the goddess and God. Now, when we talk about that and we start talking about with the deities, because yes, you can totally just work with just generalized goddess and God, and that works just fine too. But let's say that, you know, let's say you're doing a love ritual. So you want to work with Aphrodite. Okay. Right. Um, when you're still calling in that counterpart, that male counterpart, so you're still going to call in a god. Now, would you say that you should work with whoever that deity's consort is? Like, if yeah, that would be. Yeah, I would say so. I would okay. say that would be the best way to fly. Yeah. And I would just sure. think if you were going to try and do something a little different, and you're trying to like blend deities of the, of the same pantheon for whatever reason that maybe like fits it. I've, I mean, I've seen things like that, so it's not completely unheard of. Um, right. But I would say, make sure that the deities get along because you've got to right. know your background, know their mythology and their lore. Cause some of them have major beef with each other. And so you don't want to accidentally call them into the same circle and then have them bickering with each other. Cause that could just <laughs> kind of make things a little nutty. Exactly. Exactly. So do a little research on who you want to call in, but again, it's okay to just call God goddess and god that's fine and so you always call goddess first yes always goddess first and then the god mm -hmm. and um also if you're in a group setting sometimes after you call the quarters and you welcome them in there's a, a toll of the bell you can ring a bell to welcome them in as well 
That's yes. uh, just the side kickback. Yeah. So there you go. After you call in the goddess and God, um, if it's a teaching covenant, maybe there's a teaching, a lesson that's going to be learned. Um, that could be something that could be worked in if it's a teaching coven. Um, maybe sometimes to raise some energy. You want to raise some energy in the circle. So that could be reading a poem or um, doing a spiral dance or um, raising energy like drumming or clapping or singing. A lot of people, a lot of covens are singing covens, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and it's not like we have that bad voices, but we're not really a musical coven per se. It uh, would be nice. I mean, I think we sing on, on Yule and maybe, um, I don't know, I don't know, another holiday, maybe we, we raise our voices. But. Well, there's like Beltane chants and stuff. I think more so we do chants versus singing. Yes. Um, yeah. And for if, nope, and nobody's heard me sing because I'm not going to do that to you guys, but trust me, my dogs will attest and be like, you don't want to hear it. So I'm very glad that we're not a singing coven because I don't think I would have been able to survive in it. Mm -hmm. um but i mean i've been to some public rituals and these people that like their voices are beautiful like there's one coven yeah we, right? we've attended some of their stuff and one of the girls in it is an opera singer and it's just awesome amazing yeah. do you notice that like like i noticed um in my lifetime that like um nuns and priests and uh high priestess and, pri and priests in the in the nuns and priests in general but high priestess and priests in some covens they have the most amazing voice and mm -hmm. it's like oh my god that is just so crazy that they have this amazing voice yeah right vocal it, training is part of the requirement to hit that <laughs> level <laughs> yeah but so if there is you know you can also sing um do you know learn the lesson whatever and uh then it's time to really if you're going to work any magic then it's time to raise that energy for that magic so you're going to do a working that you raise the power and again you do that by chanting clapping dancing singing uh there's many ways of, of raising energy so you do want to raise that vibration up before you do the magic mm -hmm. so you would say so that's the case Let's you can say do that. one of the, the above mm -hmm. and then you do your magical working Okay. So if you were, if you going off of that, just so people kind of have an idea, like, let's say that we were getting together to make protection mojo bags and that's what we we're going to do with our ritual for that night. So you would okay. start with, you would drum up a chant or do something like that and get that energy going first and then you would make the bags. Well, you know, we, we're, we're going to raise the energy anyway, and then we make, do the magic and then you charge that magic. Mm -hmm. okay. So you can, you know, you raise the energy a little bit and then you do the magically working and then you charge that magical working. I think the more that I think about this, the more that I realize that I heavily rely on chants in my rituals and in my magic. Cause I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, so you do your first chant and then you do your magic, then you do your second. It's a chant hokey pokey. Like basically. <laughs> Um, yeah, so because it, it is a really good way to do it. You can raise energy and charge things through chanting, again, singing, um, working mills where you walk around the altar and you walk around the magic and doing things like that um, are other ways to do it. And I think with that, it, it depends on what you're doing or just what works in that moment, because you can do, you can do all of it at different times with different rituals if you want. Like once you decide that you like chance, it doesn't mean that you're stuck doing that forever. 
no, not at all. And, you know, drumming is a good way to raise some energy, too. I like when there's drumming involved in the circle. That mm-hmm. definitely raises. And clapping hands is another one. There's so many different ways to raise, raise the energy. So, I mean, but the typical ones are dancing, singing, clapping, drumming, you know, poetry, yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, when you get drumming or dancing and clapping and, like, stomping your feet, when you get into that, the thing that I like about it is you have just tuned in not just your mind but also your body mm-hmm. to, to the rhythm, and you're going to start seeing yourself move faster. You're going to move with more purpose, more intensity, and that's right. what's getting that energy up there, and it's, it's aligning your spiritual and your physical self with the intent that's going on, and then when everyone's in that same flow, you can really start to feel it. You'll get goosebumps. It's awesome. Right, and you just release it, and that's the best part. You get a rush. Mm-hmm. Now, also, uh, before you do any magic, maybe uh, as a part of the ritual, you might, might want to do a path working. There might be a path working. So there could be a path working and a lesson if it's a learning coming as well. So that's, that can also be incorporated into the, uh, the ritual, mm-hmm. for sure. Because there's really, you can really do whatever you need to do in ritual, and so that's why I think it's really important to try and sit there and plan out what you want to do before you get in there. Trying to do all of this on the fly is really hard. As you can tell, there's a lot that can go into it. So having a, at least a, a basic outline is a really good idea of what to do. Um, I've participated in public rituals that I've helped put on where uh, the person that was centering it had like a full on script for everybody so that we mm-hmm. knew everything that was going to be said and in what order, which was nice. And I like that. But you know, once you're actually in ritual and things get going, you know, you get inspired in different ways and things kind of change sometimes depending on what's going on. And I don't see anything wrong with that either. Sometimes a spell or ritual doesn't go according to plan, but it's because, you know, the, the gods or the universe spirit, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they come in, they step in and they're like, no, no, this is what we're going to do right now. Right. Exactly. They have other plans for you. So yeah. Um, Sometimes on the, if it's a full moon, uh, what we like to do is do intentions where we write what we would like to see happen for us before the next full moon. And we will, um, you know, after we do any magic, well, this is considered kind of a form of magic too. You know, you charge, um, you do intentions where you write it down. Some people use dove's blood and parchment paper. Some people use brown paper bags and red pen. That's fine. You can substitute like that. And then everybody just um, burns their intention on the goddess and the god flame and puts it in the cauldron or the incense burner to burn up. And the, the reason is this, the reason you do that is to ask the goddess for a special thing that you would like. And if she so feels that you deserve it, you will get it by the next full moon. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't, guess what? You're not getting it. You ain't getting shit. Not getting nothing. <laughs> nothing. You know what my problem is with that is every time we do... Um our intentions. The second I burn my intention, I forget what it is. So I can never tell you <laughs> if I fucking get it or not. Cause I don't remember what it is. I finally started keeping track and writing notes to myself so oh, that good, I, can good, try good. And, I can try and remember it because for the life of me, I, I thought about it. I'm like, well, I don't know if it works or not. I'm not sure. Cause I never remember what the fuck I asked for. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if it's a holiday, you're going to honor that holiday, whatever it is. Like, for instance, we have uh, May Day coming up. And, of course, I'm, I mean, we're not going to be doing physical public, uh, physical ritual because of the, the shutdown. But, um, you know, you're going to honor that 
that particular holiday, the, the union of the goddess and God. So different holidays have different meanings and you would focus your energies toward that, that particular uh, holiday. Yeah. And we've gone over some of the holidays in the past on here and given like simple rituals and different things that you can do and different crafts and, and recipes that you can kind of work into those holiday rituals that are really great. Some, some groups will do rituals centered around the holiday and do spells and magic that kind of go along with that. Right. Now, right. other people though think that it's just, that it's almost like uh, bad manners to do yes. that and instead what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll honor the holiday or the deity associated with it and things like that but they won't do any magic or you know um, they say like it's not okay to do initiations or different things during those holidays because it's like taking away from the holiday what's your view on that yeah we usually do not do magic for the holidays it's usually saved for the moons so yeah yeah so you did, let's just say this is a moon circle. So you just did your uh, in, uh, intentions. And now it's time for cakes and ale. And this is the part where you share, um, you know, now it's called the great right. So the great right, uh, some covens, I'm sure, do it physically where you're actually fornicating in circle. It's the union of the god and goddess. But we do it symbolically, most groups will do it symbolically with the chalice and the athami and you just do a little coming together with the with the chalice and the goddess with certain words uh before that you know the the cakes and the ales are blessed and if you're in a coven setting you usually share the the drink goes around the circle clockwise to everybody so everybody can partake and the same thing goes for the cakes and always leave an extra cake at the end, you know, for libation to give it back to the earth. You always, you know, leave a little extra so you can get, give back to the earth. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about, about the cakes and ale and the great, right? Because those do go hand in hand. Um, when Monica's talking about joining them together. So basically you take your athame and you stick it inside the chalice. Now right. at this time, um, the chalice does have have you know wine or ale or you know whatever you're juice, using whatever yeah yeah whatever you're going to use so the only thing that i would say is because you know sometimes you're using your athame and you're carving candles or you're, you're doing different things so whoever is going to be in charge of um being the representation of the god in that that stance where, where they're putting their athame in the chalice make sure that it's a clean one because i don't want icky ashes in my ale that's right. <laughs> and some and some groups do not use their athami for anything except casting the circle. Mm -hmm. um, in our tradition, we, 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 cut, we cut things, we carve with it. We do the great right. You know, there's many different ways we, we use our athami. It's multi-purpose, -pur multi-purpose tool. Yes. 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 And the one thing that I really liked when I, when I went to my first ritual, um, and got to to be a part of like the cakes and ale and doing that is what's normally a really common uh, blessing so to speak or things that are said when you're passing around the chalice to drink out of or the cakes or you know when you're in a public public space instead of everyone's sharing the same chalice a lot of times they'll give you little paper cups and you can have your own so you're not getting everyone's cooties but right. um they'll they'll pass you the chalice or everyone will hold their cup up together and they say may you never thirst and right. when you get your cakes, which is, you know, a piece of bread or a cookie or something like that, 
um, they hold it up. They say, may you never hunger. And I remember still the first time I went to a ritual and I heard that. I'm like, you know what? That's really beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. You're wishing really goodness on everybody around you. That's true. Yeah. Very true. And so I really liked, liked that sentiment. And that's something that I think kind of drew me in a little bit more to rituals mm -hmm. as well as is having that. I really did, did enjoy that. That just like well wishes like that. Yeah. I love that too. Um, then I guess everybody's content and if everything is said and done, then it would be time. And you know, by this time you're usually in circle at least 40 minutes in, at least 40 minutes in, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about solitary working. I'm sure solitary can go a little quicker, but in a group setting, usually about 40 minutes in, like it's usually like about an hour, I would say the whole process going through it. Sometimes a little longer, but mostly it's like an hour. You know? I think that, that kind of allowing an hour time is a good amount of time because you're not going to rush through anything. Um, right. And I mean, yeah, sometimes you might go over, but if you're planning about an hour, so you're good because I also think that you don't want rituals to be super, super long because if you're right. in one that's way long, you're going to start to lose interest in it. You're going to get fidgety or get hungry or something or be like, oh man, I have to pee. And then you just kind of like lose it. You know, you, you lose that focus and that intention and you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that when you're in ritual, like you're all in. So it's, it's almost like the idea of, um, and it flows. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like watching like a movie, like, you know, hour and a half or so, it's a pretty good amount of time for a movie. Anything longer than that, people get a little restless and you don't want that with your rituals. Right. No, of course not. No. And if you're doing everything that we said, it's going to go quickly. You don't even realize there's no time. I mean, you're in between, you kind of lose track of time because you're in a different space. You're in that in between place so sometimes it goes by it just goes by you know and you're not really but in reality it's about an hour yeah that's about it yeah yeah and so once you get to the cakes now to me at least whenever I think of cakes and I, I always see that as like the ritual coming to a conclusion it's usually Correct. the last like active thing that you're going to do before you start releasing and dismissing things yes exactly so then after you're all done that's all said and done it's time to close out the circle and how you would do that is by firstly dismissing the quarters and um, if you happen to have called in any elementals make sure you dismiss them mm -hmm. some groups say stay if you will go if you must and if I'm in a circle public like that to myself and forgive me for this, I always dismiss the elementals. You do not want the elementals hanging around, getting into your, getting into your pipes, getting in, starting a fire, et cetera, et cetera. So you always dismiss them. Always dismiss mm -hmm. the elementals. Yes. The best way to kind of describe it is, um, so basically, like, even if you're just saying, like, hail element earth, like, you want to make sure that you release all that. Because imagine, like, these tiny little magical fire fairies and you're just say well well you can stay if you want like are you going to be babysitting them the whole time probably Hell not no. and then your stove is going to explode or something crazy because you're, <laughs> yeah. you're leaving them to their own devices in the mundane world and they're going to have a fucking party and you are not going to think it's fun yep and i've seen it so many times and people don't dismiss that i've learned my lesson well and they go home and they have a flood or there's a fire it's pretty much a mess yeah yeah so always, always as a rule always dismiss them mm -hmm. do it do it that's the best yeah that's the right way i think so you just miss everything and then it's time to uh i'm sorry my dog is having a, a choking fit here 
Okay. Touch, 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 touch. My goodness. Wolfman. Okay, 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 okay. He's having a, a puppy bitch fit. <laughs> We're going to pause for a minute while, while uh, the puppy bitch fit is being worked out. We'll be right back, guys. Okay, we're back. Puppy bitch fit has been handled. Everything is good. Um, we were talking about needing to release things and release the elements and things like that as you're coming and bringing to your ritual to a close. And I think one interesting talking point about this is um, how you release them, meaning in which order. So just as we said that there's generally um, some kind of verbiage that you're going to use to invoke the elements and the, and the you know the directions and stuff there's usually something very similar that you'll say to thank them and release them and ask them to leave and normally when we do that we'll start in the north because again most things in in rituals tend to start in the north however we actually just attended a ritual the other night um where it was it was released backwards where they actually started in the west yeah some people like to do wittishins to close Close it down, which I can see to a certain degree, but most of the time it's done uh, uh, count uh, clockwise. I'm sorry, clockwise. Yeah, but I have seen many traditions, even Wiccans that do a desor. So mm -hmm. I mean, Wittershins. I'm sorry. Yeah. Which makes sense though, because when you're when you're doing something Wittershins um, or counterclockwise, you're you're banishing something, you're releasing it, you're undoing. So the thought process behind starting in the West and going wittershins to release does make sense to me i think that's mm -hmm. kind of i would just sit with that one for a minute especially if you guys are going to be making your own rituals and trying to construct one on your own sit with it and see how how you feel about that because it might just be something that you really vibe with and if it's not then you know you can just go back and do it you know northeast southwest and just go go desoil and clockwise and do it that way too Right. After you dismiss the quarters, then it's time to say goodbye to the goddess and God. And you never, um, you know, you just, you just thank them and, and uh, put out their, their candle if you're working with a candle. And then it's basically, you just basically say the circle is open, but yet unbroken. Merry meet, merry party, merry meet again. And then it's the end of the ritual. Yeah. So and when you that's say that it in a nutshell. Yeah, and when you say that with the circle, that it's open but never broken, that's how you undo the circle. So a lot of times, right. I think um, casting the circle and bringing it up is a little bit more fancy and a little bit more complicated because when you take it down, it's pretty easy and pretty just really mm -hmm. direct. Um, right. And yeah, that, that, is, that is your basic ritual, ritual setup. And if you guys can kind of wrap your heads around that a little bit you'll be able to go to a public ritual and and feel like you have a good foundation and you're not going to feel and know lost. know what's going on uh -huh. basically know what they're doing yeah yeah, yeah. Because I think it's important for that because, I mean, I remember my first public ritual and, you know, I had already taken like Wicca 101 and stuff like that, but I was still kind of nervous, you know, and so having right. an idea of how things happen and why they happen, it, it makes you feel a little bit more confident and hopefully will encourage you to go to a public ritual and go check it out and kind of broaden your horizons a little bit. And another thing I forget, I failed to mention, I keep on going back to the things that I forgot to say. Um, it's always good to do it barefoot because mm -hmm. you want to be grounded basically to wherever space you're in, whether it's outside, which is wonderful if you can do it outside, weather permitting. And usually you're naked under your robe, not naked. And some people, some coven's do it sky clad. Mm -hmm. Don't. 
don't sky get me wrong. Some is people do for... it's skyclad. Yep. Sky just so you guys know, yeah. skyclad is which speak for naked. Um, naked and a lot so. of times, so you know, you don't have to have robes and capes and stuff like that. If you're going to attend a ritual, a lot of covens and stuff do. A lot of the high holidays, a lot of people are going to dress up and do that. But if you're going to go to a public ritual, you don't necessarily need to do that. But just try and look nice, like, you know, office casual. Generally, a lot of the times you will wear black. That is the color that most witches wear. There are certain rituals and different traditions that, um, they will actually ask you to not wear black. But usually if that's the case and that's something expected, they will let you know when you're invited to it that you're not allowed to wear black. Well, what I find is what, and what I like to do is when I go to uh, another person's ritual, public ritual, another coven's ritual, I like to dress up because it's a special occasion to me, whether it's a moon or a holiday, I like to dress up. And uh, yeah, that's a special thing for me. So I just don't wear jeans or anything like that. And I'm pretty strict in my coven. I, I always require robes and, 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 and a special dress, you know, because I just don't want you coming in your jeans and t-shirt. Yeah. You know, that's not acceptable to me. I think, well, and when you're in a coven and you're, you're doing that, I think it's a little different. It's a little bit more formal than like a public ritual and things like that. Mm -hmm. And if you're never sure what the dress code is, because sometimes, you know, it, it varies. You can go ahead and ask whoever invited you or the officiant and the person that's, that's centering the ritual and be like, what, what's the attire here? Exactly. So So you feel, you don't Mm -hmm. feel out of place, you know, you fit in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. So, so one of my questions for you um, is because I think after, and this is something I think a lot of people start to ask, is after they understand ritual construction and stuff like that, then the question that tends to get posed is, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna say we're carving a candle, you know, and it's it's not this huge production, you're not getting together with all your witchy poo friends to do it. You're just gonna knock a candle out real quick. Do you need to do a circle? Do you need to go through all of these steps in order to do spell work? Is this ritual construction required to have successful spell work? No, you do not have to cast a circle to do spell work. But if you want to. Absolutely. It will add power to it. It will protect you while you're doing your working, but it is not necessary to cast a circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I don't feel, I feel like when I first started it, but that was more just because I was so into it and enthusiastic that I wanted to do as much witchy shit as possible all the time. And uh-huh. as time's gone on, I've just, I've gotten a little bit lazier with it and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't always do I don't do, I don't do spell work with like full ritual setup unless I'm doing like a full on ritual with a bunch of people and stuff like that. In which case, um, you do want that protection, but you can always do that anyway. Um, right. Even if you just want to like have some candles burning on your altar for your deities and stuff like that, you don't need to, you know, call them in. You don't need to have a circle and stuff to do that. I have my guys on my altar and once in a while, you know, they'll call to me and let me know that they want their candles lit and I'll just recognize them and say hi and, and you know, thank you for everything that you do to me, do for me and I, I just let the candle burn for a little bit for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine. And that so that's how your... you do ritual construction. Yeah. Yep. Now you guys can go through and you guys can look at that and see how you're vibing with all of that. And, and I, I know I mixed up a few things here and there. I, like I keep on going back to the beginning. So you might want to get a notebook, kind of like do step one, two, three, four, five, if that helps you yes. better to figure it out. But 
And we do yes. have a private Facebook group um, on Facebook, Wine, Spirits, and Witches. So you can totally join join that because, you know, people like to post questions and different things on there all the time. And then Monica and I can see it. And we can, you know, maybe answer questions sooner than an Ask Astraga episode and, and things of that nature. So that's something that you can do. If you listen to this, you're a little confused. You can always hit us up that way. Um, and where right. Monica posts different scrying things in there all the time. It's been really fun to see what everyone sees and stuff. And it's, it's a yeah, fun group to be in. It's fun. So yes, don't forget that we also do an Ask Astraga every week. Now we have an Ask Astraga mini set. So send us in your questions, send us in your stories. We have a ton of them and we're, we're so excited to go through them and answer questions and just kind of share experiences with everyone. And you can even win a reading if you send in just $1 as many times as we want to Shauna's uh, uh, intuitive Shauna at the, what is it? My the Venmo. If you Venmo us, you can Venmo me, oh, yes. Intuitive Shauna. Um, and in the Venmo note, write raffle on it so that I know what it is. And each dollar is another raffle submission, in which case we will randomly select someone on the first of the month. So that's really exciting too. So there's plenty of ways for you that guys is. to interact with us and talk to us, chat with us, um, get witchy with us. So, you know. Let's let's get active, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like we're we're all a virtual coven, so it's pretty badass. So join the wine spirits and witches coven. Yeah, please do that. Absolutely. It's so time. thank you for being here tonight. Yes. yes, it's time for our shout outs. Do you know who your shout out is? Okay. Do you need a minute? I need a minute. Do you go ahead, girl? All right. My shout out today is to my friend Marion. She is super awesome. She's really fun. She, um, she does acupuncture and she's really great at it. And I remember we were at, um, like this big witchy camp out and she, we all drank the first night there a lot. And so she did like a little acupuncture ear clinic to help detox everyone's livers. It was hilarious, but she's just one of the nicest people that I've met and she's just so cool. And we saw her the other day and we did like a, a 10 foot drop off exchange of, of like avocados and stuff like that from my avocado tree. And um, she gave me these really kick-ass bags that her and her family like sew and make. They're called Walker bags. And wow. they're like these like different colored mesh bags and there's like little change purses and stuff. And I just thought it was so cool because, you know, I'm obsessed with like tote bags and trying to reuse things. <laughs> so I got really excited about all of that. So I was that's so cool. My walker bags. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, actually, I'm going to shout out today to Robert. All right. And my buddy Robert, because uh, he's been such a great um friends through all of this and he's one of our dedicated listeners so this goes out to you babe love you we love you yeah he, yes he is the shit i have to say yeah yes he so. sure is sweetheart yes and oh just so everyone knows robert i'll i'll remember i'll go post it in the facebook group um tonight actually even though i usually don't do shout out things till saturdays but robert's actually doing an egg cleansing class online and yes. the first one that he's doing is this Saturday and it's actually free. Yes. So, and it's going to be about a cleansing. So join mm -hmm. in if you can. We'll yeah, post so this. Join in. Yeah, we'll post yes. it. And if you're, if you're late to the game and you're listening to this, um, you know, a couple months from now or something like that, these are going to be reoccurring things that he's going to do. They may not always be free, but he's got some really cool information. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to egg cleansing. It's, it's really interesting. And don't forget to join us at 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for our Spell to Rid Disease. We need your voice. We need your power to rid 
this damn virus. So join us either on Facebook Live or Instagram Live at six o'clock on Saturday for that working. Yes, 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 yes. All righty, we will see you witches next week. Merry meet. Merry part. And, and Merry meet again. Meet again. <laughs>